2: Welcome to the Princeton LaxCast. I'm Jerry Price, and I'm here with Princeton head men's lacrosse coach Matt Madelon. And, Coach, welcome.
1: Hey, Jerry. Happy to be back.
2: So before we get started, I have two trivia questions for you. Oh, gosh. You guys like trivia. Actually, you should get uh, Coach measure in this. <laughs> he's really very, he, into this. He's very good at it. Okay, one. There are four players in Division One right now, active players, averaging at least five career points per game. Okay? Four of them. Now, I'll give you one of them. The one who's first is Michael Sowers, who is five point eight three points per game. So he leads all active Division One players in points per game. Who are the other three? Pat Spencer. Is two. Kevin Lindley? Nope. Hmm. You're missing the really obvious one. Really? Yes. A really obvious one. Right, everybody. Oh, right? Teat. Teat is correct. Yeah. Like, everybody's listening is like teed. It's teed. The the fourth one is actually very impressive, and I we could be here a while before you get it.
1: Sacred Heart Midi. No, no. Huh. You would think
2: that Sacred Heart would be connected to this, but
1: no. I would have thought that's. That's that would guess. Well, all right, we'll give it to me for the sake of time.
2: Asher Nolting. Oh, okay. Point. All right,
1: he's been producing in a clip. So it's those impressive. four
2: guys, and then Chris Gray from BU is just below five. He's fifth on the list. So that's your first question. Your second question.
1: I did okay there.
2: There are two teams in Division One lacrosse who have who in all of their games so far this year, both teams have been in double figures in goals. There's only two teams in Division One that can can say that. So, for instance, it doesn't apply to Princeton because uh, sure we, I mean, it was nine Rutgers eight with Rutgers, Rutgers or yep. you know. So every team has one game where one of the two teams in the game scored fewer than ten, except for these two. They've been in double figures for each game. Now. Virginia? I mean, you could, like, I, as I was going through the list, I was like, you know, Virginia, Browns, school sure. like that. Uh, no. But you have to think, you also have to think to yourself, why am I asking you this now? What, like, what would be the significance of these two teams? That gives it away more than You want me just to tell you?
1: Yale and Denver?
2: Yeah, Yale's, very, uh, Yale's one of them. It's a good guess. Uh, and... Uh, this would actually make for better television than podcasting because, like, as you're sitting here thinking, that, <laughs> yeah. we just have dead air. But I'll tell you, you've already mentioned the other one in the first one. Sacred Heart, got it. So Sacred Heart and Yale. So I mentioned Yale because <clears throat> Yale comes here on Saturday as the defending NCA champs come to play the six-time NCA champs. Uh, second game of a doubleheader: the women against Brown at noon, the men against Yale at three. Uh, this comes after last week's, uh, I'll, I'll use the word disappointing Ivy league opener against Penn, a 19 to 10 win by the Quakers, uh, really broke open a close game in the third quarter and we can get into some of that, but just in general, where is your team now this week?
1: Sure. We're on spring break. So they've done a really nice job responding. I think, you know, no one in the program, you know, is content with that performance last week. Uh, disappointing is a fair word, uh, staff, players, sports staff, everyone involved feels the same way. Uh, just needed to get back on track need to string together good practices, uh, need to keep supporting each other and keep getting better.
2: So let's go back to the specifics of the game. It was 6-5 Penn at halftime, and uh, Princeton came out. Uh, Michael Sauer scored a goal. Jake Stevens, who had his first two career goals, scored a goal. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, that's 19 seconds apart. It's 7-6 Princeton. I feel like Princeton has a lot of momentum. And then all of a sudden, Penn goes on a 6-0 run. It really was hard to dial it back up after that. The key to the game, faceoffs. And uh, Kyle Gallagher from Penn, the transfer from Hostra, he did a great job facing off for Penn. Uh, He had uh, 20 out of 30, 16 ground balls. He had two assists. And when you're in a game like that where the possession is so uh, lopsided, it puts so much pressure on each one of your possessions. And obviously, you know what I'm getting to with this. But just talk a little bit about what that did to that game before we get into what happens next.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you're right. And you know, from a you know from the outside perspective, and from looking at that game, and you can see the pressure you know it may put on an offense or defense to get stops or score goals when you know you, when your possessions are limited. Uh, you know we've tried to always approach our teams you know in our program you know in our in our offense and our defense with with the process based system you know every possession's the same, every play's the same it doesn't matter when you're up or down the score will take care of itself now you know guys naturally can get frustrated and frustration can lead to, to selfish play or just to poor execution and that's exactly what happened you know it was it, it wasn't so much the selfish play it was more or less just you know guys gripping their sticks a little too tight, poor execution um and really just not capitalizing on our opportunities. I mean, I think we had plenty of opportunities to, you know, finish shots, put them away, get ourselves back in the game, stop a run, uh, and whatever it may be, we weren't able to make the play. So it's what we've been back to work this week, uh, and we're hoping to correct that moving forward.
2: And so that obviously brings us to where I was going with this, which is T.D. Erland coming to uh, Sherrod Field with the Bulldogs. He's their face-off guy, the number one statistical face-off guy in the history of the sport or in college lacrosse. Um, What do you do for a guy like that? After the experience of last week. So if, the, if nothing else, the experience of last week sort of prepares you at least to have to deal with it again. But what do you do when you go into a game with somebody like that who has the, the capability, you know, game after game, he's 20 out of 23 with 17 round balls. And you know. Yeah,
1: it's really impressive. I mean, his stat line is is different than there ever has been in college across in terms of the face-off stuff. He's really impressive, and he's really, really good at his trade. Um you know he's very good at making the adjustments. He's very good at what, understanding what makes different him techniques. So you know it's not only athleticism. Um, he's a great athlete. He's quick to the ball. He's strong. He's extremely fundamental. He does a great job with with his exits and changing up his exits and how he uses wings. He's just he's he's done a really really good job of of, of understanding the position. Um, and then with his experiences from Albany and then and now with his you know the start at Yale. Um, I think just understanding how teams game plan against him, you know, at this point, he's seen it all, um, and we're going to throw it all at him. You know, he's going to get every bit of Princeton when it comes to the face-off wings and, and the face-off unit, and, and the idea is to neutralize him and pick up on his weaknesses and, and try to really expose those, you know, and take opportunities when you can. But uh, the young man does an incredible job at, at changing throughout games. I think to answer your question, the long and short of it, what makes him so different and so special is his ability to adapt and change, um, and you may get him once, you may get him twice, you know. But he, you know he's going to work to try to get you the next eight or nine times.
2: I'm, uh, I'm not liking his chances of being on the Olympic team if it gets to be an Olympic sport because if you saw the rules that were proposed today, there are no faceoffs. So, <laughs> no, no. Well, just there's, to, a, there's faceoffs just to starting. start the quarters. No, yeah. it's
1: actually it was pretty neat seeing those. I mean, we were just talking about it off air before we got on. Um, you know, it's 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 great for our sport. You know, it's, it'd be it'd be outstanding to see it as an Olympic sport, even if it were in a little different of a format.
2: It'd be much different format, six on six, but on a field. I presume they have the same size goals as they have in the outdoor field game now, as opposed to box.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't know if they mentioned that or not.
2: And then the other thing about it is shots that aren't backed up become turnovers, and these are two things that people talk about a lot. Should you know, in in any other sport, if it goes out of bounds, the other team gets it. Uh, in lacrosse, the whole point is teams aren't going to be. The teams are going to be so hesitant to shoot the ball if, they're not going to, you know, if, if the backup rule goes away. And then the other thing is face-offs, because face-offs are such a huge part of the game. And that there actually was a season in college lacrosse where they got rid of face-offs for a year, and the goalie just triggered it after a made goal. Uh, and there are people who have discussed that, but I don't see that ever happening in college could lacrosse. I could have an
1: entire podcast about my thoughts on the face-off rule. It <laughs> is not for this time.
2: <laughs> so, uh, but let's get back to the game uh, where Yale comes here on Saturday. So last year against Yale, the first 16 face-offs of the game, Connor Mackey who graduated was their face-off guy last year. Won all 16. So, so TD Ireland can't do better than that. But I think, you know, you want to have that guy who's going to dominate possession like that, but at the same time, knowing what to expect, as you said, you throw everything at him, but I feel like the experience of last week and sort of having a sense of what to expect takes away a little bit of the advantage. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, they're different guys too. I mean, Gallagher and, and, Erl- and Ireland are different players. Um, you know when it boils down to it, they have different exits. They're different on the ball. Uh, both very good at their both very good at their skill, their trade, and their craft. Uh, but both win differently. we um, have got to do a good job and playing complementary lacrosse, lacrosse, playing all over the field. Uh, limiting transition opportunities off the face-off, just things like that, you know, allow us to buckle down, get some stops, you know, and 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 whether the possession battles change or not, we still have to execute when we're on offense. We have to execute when we're on defense, um, and in between the lines. So, uh, we're excited for this one.
2: So a lot, uh, Yale lost a lot of guys from their NCAA championship team of, championship team of a year ago. Not just Ben Reeves, the Tuaraton Trophy winner, but they had six MLL draft choices you can't lose that much talent without having some sort of drop off in your team. And yet they've they've been very, very good again, as people expected, certainly in the conversation to get back to Memorial Day weekend. What do you see from them versus last year?
1: I think they're a great program. I think Ben Reeves is a really special talent. Um, I think that, you know, I had some great complimentary players to play alongside of them. Uh, I think they did a very nice job system-wise, offensively and defensively, athletically. They're a very strong program. So uh, they're currently the number one ranked team, and, and they've earned every bit of that ranking. Uh, so we're looking forward to facing off against them.
2: So that's a 3 o'clock start, Princeton and Yale, Saturday on Sherrod Field. The women play Brown at noon. And for your team, there is the very quick turnaround from that game, regardless of what happens, to the very special event on Tuesday night that's coming up, which is the return of Bill Tierney and the Denver Pioneers. And since we speak on Wednesdays, we're going to have to talk about both games now. So it's a quick turnaround from, from Yale to Denver and it's one of those things where I have a friend who always used to say the same thing. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, when, when you made the schedule, it seemed like a good idea. And it is a good idea to have Coach Tierney come back and bring Denver, a very special team. But it also, now it's the physical part for you where you have to play Yale Saturday and then turn around and play a, a very high-quality team like Denver immediately after that. And, it, and in many ways, a much different team than Yale.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we you know we're going to try to schedule the best here, get the best teams on the schedule, get our guys the best opportunity to, to gain entrance to the NCAA tournament, whether it be at large, you know, or AQ, whatever it may be. Um, and so, you know, we just got to keep pushing forward as our with our group. And yeah, it's going to be tough because Yale, you know, it's going to be a good physical game on Saturday, and then we expect a, a great physical game on Tuesday. So, you know, we're happy that we're on spring break. Our guys are able to rest up, heal up this week, you know, and that'll prepare us for a quick three game and seven day run.
2: What about bringing Coach Tierney back to, to Princeton for the first time? Not the first time he's been here, but the first time he's brought Denver here. To play. Yeah,
1: it's really wonderful. I mean, you know, Coach Tierney and I had the opportunity to talk in terms of schedule in this game. And, you know, we were both looking, you know, to up our RPI and play high-level opponents. And, you know, we just thought it would be such a great opportunity. Um, you know, great opportunity for him to get back and bring his team here. Uh, and just great opportunity to have two great teams play. Um, anytime we get Denver as a home game, you know, that's a win for our program. So we're really excited about the opportunity to play that group.
2: So the 1994 NCAA championship team is going to be honored at halftime uh, Saturday against Yale, and then, of course, that was one of Coach Tierney's teams. And uh, actually, to me, the 1994 championship was the most important one that Princeton ever won, and it's not one that people think about because they think of the first one in 92. They think of the three in a row with the Hess-Hubbard-Massey teams. They think of Tierney winning with both of his sons, And sort of 94 gets a little overlooked, but to me it was the most important of all of them because the 92 one, people could have dismissed that as just a fluky thing that happened. It took the 94 championship to validate that and to really stamp Princeton as uh, more than just a one-hit wonder, and then I think it really helped in terms of recruiting the foundation of the three three consecutive championship teams that followed, and then the you know, 2000, 2001, 2002 was the NCAA championship game, uh, winning in 01 and getting to the final four in 04. And a lot of that was built, I thought, out of the 94 championship, even though it sort of gets overlooked a bit. Kevin Lowe with the game-winning goal. Uh, one of the reasons, I think, is because a lot of those guys were also on the 92 team. Kevin Lowe and Batch Glupo and uh, Lowe with the game-winning goal in overtime to beat Virginia 9-8. to uh, So they'll be back here on, on uh, Saturday. And then Coach Tierney coming back on Tuesday. How much of this matters to your current guys who were you know either not born yet in 1994 or kids you know when Tierney was coaching here
1: I mean I think uh, I think both matter to them. I think they're both they're all they're a very aware group um you know the 94 guys have been outstanding uh since I've taken over as as an assistant as a head coach of this program these are guys that are involved these are these are loving caring dedicated alums um and they're folks that, like you said, I mean, your you know, your perspective on the 94 championship is uh, it's, it's a great one and it's spot on. You know, it really does. It does help stamp it. It does help confirm it. And then it absolutely does help continue to build a program, a foundation of outstanding recruiting and everything where guys can come to a place and get this degree and education and experience and also compete for national championships. But when it comes down to our guys, you know, our guys love the idea of making their own path. Um, but they absolutely love the fact that there were great men and great teams that came before them and provided them with this opportunity. And I think that's where our guys really do cherish and understand it and appreciate it. And when these guys, when this group of guys walk back on campus, you know, I know our guys will truly appreciate it. Um, we'll be very grateful for the work they put in and for the experience they had and and, and the path they paved for our guys.
2: What has your relationship been with Coach Tierney since you took over?
1: It's been, uh, he's been wonderful. I mean, he was my one of my first calls uh, when I took over. Uh, he's been very helpful Uh, in just terms of just navigating the landscape uh, as a head coach and a head coach at Princeton Uh, but just just all in all um, he's always been first class every time I've ever had an opportunity to interact with him so excited to compete against him
2: so Denver plays at Towson on Saturday and then they come here on Tuesday they were supposed to play Ohio State this past weekend but that game got canceled because of the snowstorm out in Denver so I'll give you one other trivia question how many career wins does Bill Tierney currently have?
1: Uh, I'd say quite a lot, and I know he's close to 400. Yeah,
2: 398. So if they win two, uh, Saturday at Towson, that's 399, and then they would come here. And That'll be good. a tough one. He'd I mean, you know, we,
1: I know we all love Coach Tierney, but I don't think he's getting that one here.
2: I actually – so the the guy who uh, is their athletic communications contact, contact at Denver is a guy named Nico Blankenship, a really good guy. I like him a lot. And uh, I was talking to him the other day, and I was like, I've never rooted against Bill Tierney. I wonder what that's <laughs> going to be like. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, just that day. <laughs>
2: So uh, beyond the, the Bill Tierney piece, uh, Denver is a—they play a different game than Yale plays. Uh, you know, they, their style is different. Um, you want to call it much more Canadian, or however you want to term it. But what is the uh, what is the challenge become just in terms of physically preparing for Yale and then turning around quickly to prepare for Denver? You know, this will be the
1: second time. We've gone through a three-game span in seven days this season already. Uh, so I think our guys will be paired. They'll understand how to take care of their bodies after the Yale game. Uh, they'll understand how to get their minds right, quick turnaround, uh, both good and bad. Uh, so you just got to be able to understand how to do it uh, and do it really efficiently and effectively. And I think our group's got a little practice with it, so hopefully it'll pay off this time around.
2: So it's Yale, 3 o'clock Saturday on Sherrod Field. It's Denver, 6 o'clock, I forgot.
1: I believe so, 6.
2: o'clock Tuesday, Denver. That game's also on ESPNU. Uh, Coach Tierney coming back to Princeton. um, And the announcers for the ESPNU are Anish, uh, Quint, and Ryan Boyle. So Ryan Boyle will be able to bring a lot of perspective about Princeton and about Coach Tierney to the broadcast. Uh, So that's Tuesday at 6. And then, of course, Brown comes here the following Saturday, and that's the third game in the eight-day stretch or however many days it is. Uh, So we'll be back next Wednesday. We'll see how it goes with uh, Yale and with Denver. Should be two really good games, two important games for the program. And then uh, we'll look ahead to the Brown game after that. Wonderful. So for head coach Matt Madelin, thanks for being with us. Thank you. And I am Jerry Price. Thanks you for being with us each week on the Princeton Laxcast. And thank you for your continued support of Princeton men's lacrosse.